We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. When's the last time the circumstances of your life began to change because of a conversation you had with God? Just go through that in your mind real quick. When's the last time a conversation you had with the heavenlies impacted things here? Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus Christ like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhillchurch.com. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Now, historians, theologians tell us that Job may be the oldest book in all the Bible. So isn't it interesting that in perhaps one of the oldest books in history, we are taught how to walk through those tough times in life, the trials, the storms. We've said every one of us here are in one of three categories. We've either just come out of the storm, we are weathering the storm as we speak, or we may not even realize it, but we're headed into the storm. And the message of Job really could be summed up in a simple truth I used to say in church many years ago. It goes like this. God is good all the time and all the time God is good. When when I learned it, the preacher would say that first part and then the congregation would respond with the second. So let's try it that way. I'll say God is good all the time and your part is all the time God is good. So let's try that. God is good all the time. time. Now you said that. Technically, but I want you to say it kind of like you mean it. So let's try that again. Say, God is good all the time and that really is at the core of what you've got to decide. Do you accept? Do you embrace? Do you understand as a follower of Christ? Have you really come to the place that no matter what the circumstances of your life, you can say, my God is good all the time and all the time. My God is good. It was in 1907 that Teddy Roosevelt was visiting in Tennessee and he had a cup of Maxwell House coffee. And as he took that sip of coffee, he said this phrase, "Mm -mm, it's good to the last drop. For a hundred years, that has been the slogan of that coffee company. Now I have to tell you, I don't like Maxwell House, but I love my God who is good to the last drop. Our God really is good all the time. All the time, he's good to the very last drop. And when you understand that, it changes everything. It changes your perspective and how you look at life. I want to do something. I'm going to divide it up into three groups. First, I want to just tell you a couple of things about Job's life. Then I want to give you three transferable truths that can relate to every one of us. And then I want to ask you and me a very important question, just as we close out our time of worship this weekend. First, let me tell you about Job. Everything changed for Job in an instant, in a moment, because of a conversation that took place in the heavenlies. We learned this in Job chapter one. The Bible says that God was in the heavenlies that day and that Satan walked in. 
Satan, a word which literally means the accuser. And he began to say to God, what's going on? God said to him, what have you been doing? He said, I've been roaming to and fro the earth, seeking whom I may devour. And God, in a moment that befuddles us, it's something that's hard to understand. God says, have you considered my servant Job? Because he's blameless, he's upright, he fears God, and he shuns evil. Now, we have to accept something. Either God made a misstep, either this was an oops moment for God, and he did something he wished he wouldn't have done, or we're taught in Scripture that God allows even some of the difficult moments in life. And obviously, I, I believe that's the case. God didn't mess up. But those storms that you've come out of, the storms that you're in, the storms that you're headed toward may be allowed by God. In fact, I would go so far as to say that nothing touches your life without having filtered through the hand of a sovereign God. So that day, everything changed for Job. Satan said, yeah, I'll look at him. God said, give him your best shot. Just don't take his life. And it's devastating what happened. This man who was large and in charge, he was the most powerful man in that part of the world, the Bible says. And he lost everything in an instant. He lost his family. He lost his fortune. He lost his fame. He lost his health, his fitness. But he didn't lose his faith. He continued to say things like this. I know my redeemer lives. Though he slay me, I will not, I will not forsake him. And so we begin to see the story of Job. Something we might should ask. Just as we examine our life, what conversations might be being had in the heavenlies about our life? When you look at what you're going through, what, what could it be that God's saying in the heavenlies about you and me right now? So everything changed for Job in a moment because of a conversation in the heavenlies. But let me tell you something else. Everything changed for Job again in a moment because of a conversation with the heavenlies. The Bible says at the end of the book of Job, after Job had listened to his friends telling them what, telling him what they thought was the problem, he then began to listen and talk to God. In fact, Job had been crying out to God and God finally shows up and begins to speak. And he asked Job 77 different questions, questions that began like this. Job, where were you? Where were you? Where were you? Where were you? Like, where were you when I created everything that is? Where were you when I created the sea monster? Where were you when I created the hippopotamus? Where were you when I created the mountains? Where were you when I created the seas? And Job began to understand that it was time for him not to question God, but to listen to God. He had argued with his friends. He had fussed about his desire to stand before God and argue with God. But when God finally spoke to him, he just closed his mouth and listened Notice what it says in Job 42 and verse 1. We talked about this some last week, but I just, I want you to see these scriptural truths. It says, Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I've uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. So hear and I will speak. I will question you and make it known to me. I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I despise myself and I repent in dust and ashes. And Job describes that experience that takes place when a person begins a relationship with Jesus Christ in light of the New Testament. It's one thing to hear about God. In fact, let me do a little experiment with you. 
I'm not going to do it about God. I'm going to do it about someone far less than God, but a good man. I'm going to do it about Abraham Lincoln. Somebody shout out to me something you know about Abraham Lincoln. Something he did. What did he do for a job? He was president. Good. You're, you're a smart group. Okay. Uh, let me ask you something else. Um, what was Abraham Lincoln famous for accomplishing as a president? Yeah, the abolishment of slavery. Okay. Okay. Let me ask you another thing about Abraham Lincoln. Let's see. Is Abraham Lincoln still alive today? No. Okay. You know, he's dead. All right. How about another question? Do you know how Abraham Lincoln died? He was assassinated. Well, you are virtual scholars on Abraham Lincoln. You have a lot of knowledge about Abraham Lincoln. But I don't think any of you are saying, I'm trusting Abraham Lincoln with my life today. There's a difference between saying I have head knowledge and and saying I have an experience with someone that has changed my life. And Job says, I had seen you, I had heard of you with my ears, but now I see you with my eyes. And, And maybe you're here today and that's the way you've been with God. You've heard about him, you know the stories, you can even teach a kid Sunday school class. You have heard about him with your ears, but you've never seen him face to face. How do I know? How do you know if you've seen him face to face? Well, if you see him face to face, then you have the encounter that Job has. So he said, I repent in my sackcloth and ashes. Repent's just a word that means I change directions. I was going my way. I was living by my will. I was the boss, but God, I repent. I turn and I recognize it is all about you. And so I'm going to trust you. So the question is, have you had that time in your life where you've ever truly repented, where you've trusted Christ. What happened for Job was his ash heap, this place where he was hanging out, singing his, his, his woes in life, his ash heap became an altar and he turned his weeping back to worship. The very place he had begun, he went back to, and he's a totally transformed man. And there are, there are really four things that we saw last week that identify him as a transformed man. And just in case you, you didn't get these or don't remember these, I, I want you to get these again real quickly. First, he said, I am small. He said, God, uh, I, I'm of small account compared to you. It's that realization that God is God and you are not. It's that understanding that the universe does not revolve around you. This is a good time of the year for all of us to remember that. That we may say we always get what we want, but that's really not the way it's going to be. We're not the king of the world. We're not the ruler of the universe. He is. We are small in his presence. So Job said, God, I get it. I am small. And then he said, so I will shut up. I'm going to close my mouth. I'm going to stop making excuses. I'm I'm going to stop whining. I'm going to stop saying the way it should be or the way it could be. And, And maybe that's a step you need to take. But then he said, and I love this. He said, because God, you are sovereign. What does that word sovereign mean? It means to be in control. It's the recognition that ultimately God is in control of all that is. He's not just the creator of life. He's the sustainer of life. And as the one who is in control you can trust him. And we know that Job understood that because he said, hey, I finally get it. No purposes of you can be thwarted. Friends, do you believe that today? 
Do you believe that if God has purposed something for you, that nothing can stop it? You can't stop it. The circumstances of your life can't stop it. Your friends can't stop it. Nothing can thwart the purposes of God. Why? Because he's sovereign. So Job says, God, I am small. I will shut up because you are sovereign. So I surrender. He did something every one of us have to do. We have to raise that white flag. And we have to raise the banner of Jesus in our life and say, God, it really isn't about me. I get that. But I don't stop there. It is all about you. I'm going to live for you and for your purposes and for your glory. And what's so interesting is we said last week, Job does this while he's still bankrupt. He, He doesn't have his family back. He doesn't have his fortune back. He doesn't even have his health back. But he did something that, as a Christ follower, I have to do every day. The Bible calls it this way in the New Testament. It says, take up your cross and follow him daily. So every day I I say, Jesus, I trust that you saved me. That happens once and for all. The Bible says that that doesn't need to be something that happens again and again. When Jesus Christ saves you, when you've trusted him... The Spirit of God comes into your life and He's there to stay. He doesn't treat your heart like a cheap hotel where He checks in and out. He seals you, it says in Ephesians 1, to the day of redemption. But though He saved me once and for all, He sustains me and He sanctifies me daily. I need Him day in and day out. If you've just joined us, You're listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. Video of the message you're listening to is available when you click the Watch tab at MissionHillChurch.com. Thanks for sharing time with us and for sharing your financial gifts by clicking the Give button at MissionHillChurch.com. And now, with more of today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. So it's pretty amazing to see all this came about Because Job took time to have a sincere conversation with God. And what you're going to see is everything in his life begin to change. So here's a question I have for you. When's the last time the circumstances of your life began to change because of a conversation you had with God? Just go through that in your mind real quick. When's the last time a conversation you had with the heavenlies impacted things here. Now, I know what some of you are thinking because we naturally, remember, we think everything revolves around us. So some of you are thinking, well, that's, that's what I was saying, pastor. I cry out to God and nothing happens. He doesn't answer my prayer. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about unanswered prayer. I'm talking about unoffered prayer. I, I'm talking about when is the last time that you have boldly gone before the throne of God as a repentant person saying, God, Everything I know is right before you. And by your grace, I'm asking you to respond in this way. When Job does that, things change. And I would say to you, when you do that, things change. And sometimes it's the circumstances around you, but sometimes it's you that change. Sometimes prayer changes things. Sometimes prayer changes us. And God uses us to change things. And in verse 7, we begin to see how things begin to change. So look at that. The word of God, Job 42, verse 7. After the Lord had spoken these words to Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz, a Temanite. Now, who's Eliphaz, a Temanite? That's one of Job's friends. 
This is one of the people that have been pointing the fingers at Job. It's one of the ones that have been saying, Job, if you just got right with God, all these troubles would go away. Job, repent of your sin and everything would be right. Job, what are you hiding? Man, don't hide from God, Job. You're, you're sinning against God. He's going to strike. He's going to destroy you. And so what did God say to Eliphaz the Temanite? My anger burns against you. Now, we're going to go into this a little more deeply, but I, I can just look on the surface here and say, that tells me it's possible to be a very religious person, to talk about God, and to maybe even have some truth in what I say, and yet to cause God to be anger, angry. We're going to see what causes that in a moment. So what does he say? What you have, you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. So therefore take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer a burnt offering for yourself. And my servant Job will pray for you and I will accept his prayer not to deal with you according to your folly. This is interesting. He's been the one criticizing Job and yet he goes to him and says, here's what I want you to do. If you want to be right with me, you go to Job, let him be your priest, his intermediary between you and me. And as he prays for you, if you do that, then I won't punish you as you deserve kind of interesting for you've not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz the Temanite and Bildaz the Shuite and Zophar the Namite, they did what the Lord had told them and the Lord accepted Job's prayer and the Lord restored the fortunes of Job. And when he prayed for his friends and the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before, then came to him all his brothers and sisters, all who had known him before. And they ate bread with him in his house and they showed him sympathy and comforted him all the, for all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. And each of them gave a piece of money and a ring of gold. And the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than the beginning. Now I'm going to read that verse again in a moment, but if you go back to chapter one, you realize what a big deal that is. Because how blessed was Job in the beginning? He was the most blessed man on the planet. And yet something transpired in this passage that causes it to say that God blessed Job even more in his latter days than he had in the beginning. And then we see how. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, 1,000 female donkeys. He had seven sons and three daughters. He called the name of his first daughter, Jemima, and the name of his second daughter, Keziah, and the name of his third, Karen Hapik. And in all the land, there were no women so beautiful as Job's daughters. And their father gave them an inheritance among their brothers. And after this, so after all these blessings, Job then lived 140 years. And he saw his sons and his son's sons four generations deep. And then Job died, an old man full of days. Now, I'm just saying to you, that's about as good of an epitaph as you could get. Woe that it would be said of any of us. Wow, they were blessed at the end of their life more than they'd ever been blessed before in their life. And they lived a long life and they were healthy and happy in life. And then they died, having lived a full life. Well, let me give you three things that I think we can learn about God from Job's life that are applicable to each of our lives. Three thoughts from Job's life and experience. The first thing is this, our God is a holy God. Do you understand what the word holy means? Holy means to be different. He's set apart. And so one of the things we clearly see from the book that Job learned God 
is different than he is. Now that seems basic. That seems like what we're teaching our children in Sunday school right now. But the truth is a lot of us have never understood that. We've never understood that God is different than us. He is holy. And though we pursue holiness, though we may aspire to be holy, we are not holy like he is. He is different. He is set apart. His thoughts are different. His timings are different. His techniques are different. He is different. He's the king of kings. We're not. He's the Lord of lords. We're not. He's the creator of all that is. We are not. And because of this reality, When we look at the things we experience in this life, things that we don't understand, things that we don't agree with, things that we don't feel like we should tolerate, we must determine not to let these circumstances separate us from God. When we understand he's holy, when we understand he's different, that's when we say, I get it. You've got this, God. I get it. You've got this, God. We must understand that ours is a walk of faith, not of sight. That means it's a walk of trust, not of touch. That means when we can't trace his hand, we have no choice but to trust his heart. And I just want you to understand today that you can trust him. There'll be people in your life that let you down. There'll be circumstances that don't go the way you think they should. You may face illness in the midst of the storms that you never have the answer for and don't experience complete healing from on this side of heaven. But in spite of it all, you can trust him. Why? Because he's holy. He's different from me and you. But there's another thing we can learn. Not only is God holy, God demands and desires our holiness. So he created us so that as he forms us, as he molds us, as he shapes us, we might begin to look like him. And it's consistent with scripture to say he'll do whatever it takes to get us to that point to make us more like him. He'll bring us to a place where we're totally broken, to where we're totally abandoned, to where we're on the ash heap of life. And all we can do is look up to God and listen as he speaks truth into our life. And maybe you're here today, and and I don't know what it is. Maybe it's sin in your life. And maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's financial bondage. Or maybe it's just spiritual sickness. But you're broken. And it may be the person next to you doesn't know it, but you know you're broken. And you feel hopeless. And you feel like there's nothing left to do. And you feel like, you're at the end of your rope. I would say to you, if that's the case, you're exactly where God wants you to be for him to demonstrate his power and the trust that you can place in him in this moment. You, you see, as you pursue him and his holiness, when you pursue that intimate relationship with him, when you voluntarily surrender and draw close to him, he draws close to you. And his word teaches that he'll, he'll do amazing things to bring this about. We can go back early in the book and we can see the life of Abraham and how he brought Abraham to a point of embarrassment before these rulers of other lands because Abraham lied about his wife. Called her his sister. 
God brought Abraham to a point of brokenness about that to then take him to a place to give him the desires of his heart as an old man to give him a young child. You see that even in the life of Moses, how, how God gives second and third chances to Moses, but then he even demonstrates that it is important that he depend and rely on his word and, and that if he wants to receive the promises of God, he must depend on the word of God and take it seriously. You see it in the life of, of Joshua. As God did really the absurd to deliver his best. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis, an outreach of Mission Hill Church. If you're looking for answers to difficult questions or searching for a church home, you're invited to any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. Details and directions at missionhillchurch.com. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement, but it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhillchurch.com and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhillchurch.com. Weekdays at 9 a.m. Be encouraged by The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk, a.m. 570 and 910.